Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Small Biz Gone Viral, a podcast shining a realistic light on the life of small business owners during COVID-19. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau, co-founder, along with my dad, of Rickaroons, an organic coconut energy bar company in San Diego. Today's guests are the amazing mother-daughter combo of Cynthia Ajani and Kia Pollard, also in San Diego, whose community-focused coffee shop Cafe X was an early casualty of COVID. In just a few minutes, you'll hear all about how Cynthia and Kia are continuing their mission, currently without a brick and mortar, their goals to raise Cafe X in 2021 like the phoenix from the pandemic ashes, and how they are building community through it all. Two quick things first, though. One, supporting small businesses and creators is easy and makes the world a better place. Maybe not as easy as Amazon on your phone, but by shopping and supporting small, you help stitch the fabric of your community and the world you want to live in. So buy local and then share about it. If you hear a podcast you like, <clears throat> share about it. Oh, and that just happens to remind me, follow us on Instagram at smallbizgoneviral for episodes, updates, and stats about small businesses and the pandemic. Two. Stick around past the credits of this show for a little epilogue bonus lightning round for Kia and Cynthia with three quick questions about their favorite and least favorite parts of entrepreneurship. Okay, time for our fun fact. Yay! Today's fun fact. Just yesterday, the president finally signed into law the latest round of pandemic funding assistance, including a $600 check to Americans making less than $75,000 a year. The president delayed signing because he supposedly wanted the amount to be a, a higher number, like $2,000. The irony is that the delay actually reduced the 11 weeks of supplemental unemployment to 10 weeks because it was always going to expire on March 14th, regardless of when it got signed into law. Whether intended or not, the net effect is by saying he wanted more, he actually cost the 12 million unemployed Americans $300. Not really that fun. All right, facts and figures time. The big news is the signing of the new pandemic relief bill, though part of the big news is, unfortunately, just how small the relief bill actually is. As I say this, the bill was just signed within the last 24 hours, so the stock market ha hasn't had much of a chance to react yet, and basically is hovering right around where it's been for the last couple weeks, in record territory. I will go out on a limb, though, and say there won't be much of a reaction, as it was always expected to pass and isn't large enough to really move the needle. Weekly unemployment down a little bit to 803,000, still absurdly high by historical standards, but I guess normal in this new normal of pandemic economics. More importantly, between 1 and 2 million Americans have received the first round of COVID immunization. A long way to go, but herd immunity will almost certainly be the biggest economic stimulus of them all. In the meantime, the daily mortality rate in the U.S. continues to hover right around 2,400, three and a half times what it was three months ago. While the rest of the world is obviously dealing with COVID and the Northern Hemisphere is obviously bearing the cold of winter along with us, the U.S. caseload has surged so much that the United States, with only four and a half percent of the world's population, now has 34 percent of the world's active coronavirus cases, a result traceable, I think, to months of politicians politicizing and downplaying the severity of the virus combined with American emphasis on individuals' rights over even the communal good. The net result is 330,000 dead, 
110 times more than in 9-11, and obviously still going up. The vaccine truly cannot come soon enough. My guests today are Cynthia Ajani and her daughter, Kia Pollard, purpose-driven entrepreneurs and founders of Cafe X by Any Beans Necessary. Their mission is to build a sacred space that nurtures Black cultural heritage in San Diego while creating generational wealth for its members and surrounding community. Blending advocacy with organizational precision, Cafe X is connecting people throughout the San Diego region, developing a shared vision to improve the quality of life in marginalized communities, one cup of coffee at a time. Kia and Cynthia, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. It was great to be here. Yeah, so happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I want to dive right in. My first question is for you. I I want you both to tell me what your backgrounds are because they are so uh, honestly unrelated to opening a cafe in the most traditional sense in terms of like business experience, but obviously your backgrounds led you to the decision to start a cafe with a double bottom line. So let's go ahead and start with your backgrounds prior to ever selling a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So different, but I feel it all makes sense when you put it all together. uh, Like you said, it, it drew, my work in advocacy and public policy drew me to kind of look at gaps in my community. And so what I'm doing as far as serving the public in San Diego County, I work as a policy advisor. Um, Up until a month ago, um, I worked for County Supervisor Greg Cox and I advised him on health and human services policy and how we administer that in San Diego County for District 1 on the County Board of Supervisors. And about a month ago, I switched jobs and transitioned to a justice program manager at the National Association of Counties in their innovations lab. So I will be guiding, supporting, advising counties throughout the nation on how to implement and coordinate their justice programs, specifically pertaining to criminal justice. But I'm looking at justice as a broader concept um, for our communities um, around the country. And Cynthia? Oh, I'm so far removed from coffee. (laughs) My career was mostly uh, 20 some odd years in healthcare, mostly uh, patient finance side of things. Um, I worked um, local hospital, Rady Children's. I was there when they did the groundbreaking. If you look at the aerial picture, I'm there waving. Um, So about 20 years with them, another two years with another physician's management group. And then I went and did some consulting where I advised other hospitals on how to increase their revenue and the systems there within, their whole pillars of the revenue cycle, as they call it. And then I did a lot of community work um, in South Leaks at different um, nonprofit organizations. So within that scope, um, the other, the double bottom line of Cafe X and building community, um, it all kind of ties in. And then the background in business, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I was always doing something extra. I've been a financial advisor. I've done Mary Kay in the beginning, you know, way back when, because I was just interested in doing something that was outside of the normal corporate 
And and when we talk about that double bottom line, just to define that, that means you are not solely concerned with profits. You don't only measure success at the end of the day by what is left in your bank account. There is a second bottom line. And in your case, uh, I'll, I'll actually just leave that to you to define. Yeah, you want to take that one to start? Yeah, I, I love this question because I get to talk about our origins. Um, really, really awesome, awesome um, decision to do this coffee shop and structure it the way that I did came in about 2015, 16. It was a year um, of a fellowship program that I did locally with Rise San Diego. And they matriculate about there, I think there were 28 of us fellows from the community. And they are specifically looking at San Diego County as a whole community. But I came in as a representative of Southeastern San Diego, which is a geographic location in San Diego with a very specific history um, and is really a history that's steeped in black culture and community. And there's a, I could go down a laundry list of black businesses um, that existed in that area and surrounding areas back in the day. That's like Cynthia's day, my mom's day. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to age her, it's wisdom, but um, I saw the opportunity to create a community space that didn't exist. And I thought a coffee shop because all we have is Starbucks and that Starbucks is not comfortable and not welcoming and not reflective of who we are as a community. And in addition to that, there's a library where we all got to be quiet and, you know, and it's great, you know, we can read and, and have silence, but we needed a space that was alive, buzzing with community connection and collaboration. And I thought that coffee shop and conversation and dialogue and moving toward advocacy and organizing with people from all walks of life, you know, um, I have my own background. I'm a graduate of USD. Um, my parents are also college graduates. Um, and my major with, was ethnic studies. So that rooted me in kind of the critical analysis and pedagogy that had me think about this idea as a cooperative vision. So our structure is such that there's equal ownership, um, shared decision-making power and voting. And it was really to be owned by interested community and people who are serious about making the changes um, positively in our community. So I thought that through. I took a pause because I did my master's degree in nonprofit leadership and management um, after my fellowship program. And then I got back to it. Um, a friend of mine said, hey, this is needed now. And I got back into it about 2018. So that's when we officially established as an entity. And my mom came on board uh, later that year. And um, we'll get into what happened next. But that yeah. is that is us. Yeah, there's certainly uh, lots to follow there in terms of what happened next and what is yet to come. Um, I do, it, you know, from the, I'm on your website right now. And from the, from the top, it's obviously the, the, the most important thing here is the movement to, to build a community right inside of a, a sacred space, uh, through activism and artivism, um, in a natural and respectful way, one cup at a time. So 
basically you had, you were looking for a solution to a problem that you saw in a community, kind of the, um, there was a vacuum to, that needed to be filled as a, as a, uh, a place to build the community. And so it wasn't so much that you um, had this dying passion for coffee as much as you were looking for the solution to that problem and the, and the, the cafe was a means to that is is, is that about right a hundred percent and yes. you know i'm a tea drinker actually ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know sue me now i now i know coffee and i i like it and enjoy it and i can right. make it and it tastes great but prior to no it was about the feeling and the sort of thought the schema around coffee and community and collaboration mm -hmm. and shared space and and then coffee as a tool as a resource you know you can sell it right people love their coffee and it's a means of creativity as well so there was a need and um we learned something completely new <laughs> with oh, that one for I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure uh <laughs> for sure yeah not only that it's this we're underrepresented in that industry as well as black business owners. So that was another driving um, force for us and in going into that area of business because we, we're just not there. You know, and we had a lot to offer and, and all these other, you know, the networking and community building and what better way to do that either over food or coffee. People love it, like she said, you know. Um, so it was a good way to make introductions, you know, across the board, but we are definitely underrepresented and that was important. Um, as a as a goal to right, I think you you're just accomplishing so many different things, and it's 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 going to be hard to focus this interview on on all of those different things that you are working to solve. So I'll I'll try to stay concise on on my end here, and, uh, but only because you're you're both so well spoken, obviously. So you you have the idea in its inception as, or from a, from a uh, uh, thought perspective, it was originated in 2015. In 2018, you start doing pop-ups, right? Um, walk me through kind of what that was like and when you knew it was time to open an actual cafe. Yes, so the pop-ups, the pop-ups originated because we had to have community one know who we are <laughs> and brand in such a way that we are different. We're not looking to be another corporate machine. We're really actually trying to understand what your needs are as a entity, a business, um, a community-based organization and meet those needs. And so we did a bunch of uh, community design charrettes. Um, we had a different table of uh, nonprofit supporters around us who was able to help us facilitate that. Um, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, the transition that we made. And um, my mom was a big part of that transition, but we started with the design charrettes and we actually had people come through the space that we were first co-located in with this nonprofit and um, somewhat incubated in, but we really held our design charrette there. And we had them come to the space and literally had a big piece of paper and said, what would you wanna see in the space? And they drew 
and we wrote notes on how does this mission statement sound to you? What do these values sound like to you? And what does it mean when you hear them? And getting that feedback, and it really helped me shape and um, new, um, finesse the mission and the vision and the values and knowing that it came from people in the community and it spoke to them in a certain way really helped me develop that. And so starting with that, doing the pop-ups as they came, right? So people got to know who we were. Um, they would let us know when events were happening and then we would just go around and we'd show up. We'd take our cold brews. That was a big deal for us. We would make the cold brew coffee and then we would go and serve it at events. And <laughs> it was a lot of fun to go around San Diego and partner with a lot of different nonprofits in the region. Um, I think it was it, mostly all nonprofits. I don't think we had any for-profit businesses. Maybe we did if we did um, my mom will add them, but um, a lot of the community-based work comes from nonprofits, obviously. And so that was our connection to the people we wanted to serve and the people we wanted to reach. So we did circuits in Balboa Park. Uh, we did one at that library that I mentioned, Malcolm X Library in Southeastern San Diego. Which um, the name of your cafe pays homage. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, interestingly enough, um, self-definition, you know, determination, um, awesome figure, Malcolm X. And many more places um, throughout the county. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let uh, Cynthia fill in the rest about when you came on board um, and how that shift and transition happened. Yeah, we were literally all over San Diego. We even did a pop-up at Choyas Lake. There was a walk, a, um, a marathon or something that was going on there. And we did a pop-up there um, when we first got started. And we actually had um, a couple of employees at that time. <laughs> <laughs> our first ones and um, um, they engage with us. One of the things with the networking, when Kia talks about nonprofit organizations, we also had people who were either in the midst of starting their own nonprofit or working somewhere in the community. Um, the Southeast Art Team, for example, was one of the groups and they actually, we had their artwork hanging in our cafe and it was on sale for consignment there. Um, Rackley Floral and Gifts. He was another, he was a black florist. They don't exist much either that I'm aware of. Um, but he also, he would bring fresh flowers there. We had those for sale also. Um, and he would come and refresh our flowers. And he was just such a breath of fresh air along with those, those bouquets, you know. So connecting with community was a big part of, of what we did and established. And that first cupping and the charrettes that um, Kia talked about, we dug into those. We had comment cards and we had uh, scores on them and everything. And I broke down all that information. We literally looked at everyone and rated everything in the whole nine. We put a lot of thought and effort into that to make sure that it was really um, something that the community had a, a part of. Um, and I think everybody enjoyed it. We even featured a local uh, baker. Who was that, Kia? Uh, can't remember the name, sweet something, but anyway. Um, so we did a pairing there uh, with the cupping at the charrette um, event. So um, I kind of- And when we're saying, when, when you're saying charrette, you keep on using that oh, word. Would, would you Would you define that for me real quick? Well, it is a, <laughs> Kia, you want to define that for him? Um, best way to describe it. She's the English. Lady. Yeah. 
It's yeah, it's not about that, but <laughs> it's 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 a method of allowing community input in design and and um, implementation um, and creation. It's actually like a a form of um, organizing around creating built structures, whether it's a building, whether it's a room. Um, so the charrette function is just commentary you know it's a live conversation and it's an exchange that's all that is it's nothing okay fancy and critical <laughs> it's obvious that like that you both took to heart the, like at the, at the very very core of your mission is to build that community and so i love that even even as you're designing before you even have a, a brick and mortar location you're asking for that community input and even defining the mission statement yeah. i mean that, that's like when you when you like take a step back, that seems totally reasonable. But when you take a step forward, it sounds like I've I've never. It just sounds so unique. Like I've never heard of anybody actually doing that and taking the time and and being willing to like put aside your own ego to say, "Hey, community, you actually work with me on this. Tell me what what you think. Give me your your insight so that the you're accomplishing your mission mm -hmm. to, to create that community space." So uh, back to the timeline here. Uh, we're in 2018, you're doing the pop-ups. So you're going, you're, you're, you're in communication with your community's nonprofits. Hey, you're doing, you're basically um, not piggybacking on their events, but, but kind of working in conjunction with them to, to support and kind of, and, and to be there. Um, and then you said you started to bring on employees. At what point did you decide to, that it was time to open up your own, your own facility? the first grand opening, this is like a walk down memory lane. So remember when I said in 2018, which <laughs> I wanted my mom to pick up and not speak about it, but um, there was a transition with who we were working with at the time and um, the values and alignment with those values um, weren't in sync. Um, honestly, you know, this is a space to be real. So they had to go. <laughs> and we had to really think about who was at the table and why. Um, and there was a need to shift to that uh, new team, new energy and new synergy. And that's where my mom became really, really involved in making that transition. And so with that, from Southeast San Diego, we moved a little bit further north. It's still considered Southeast San Diego. Um, and we partnered with two other nonprofits who were kind of in a merger situation in the way that they work together, but it's a counseling center. And then this um, life coaching um, organization, both nonprofits um, who kind of paired um, in that region. And so we ended up moving there and we had a, a cart. So moving back a little bit, I know this doesn't help our timeline. <laughs> While I was working with those nonprofits, I wrote, um, an application for a grant and I got the funding to purchase the equipment that we still have to this day. And that's how we got started with literally nothing <laughs> and a grant for something. And so we were highly mobile and we were able to kind of just move on when it no longer fit and it no longer worked. Um, and so we had moved and partnered with a different organization and we had a grand opening launch. We don't even call it an opening, <laughs> but it's a launch because at the same time we were at the point we were ready to work with this organization. It was 
a new space actually opened up um, in college area and that would be our ultimate storefront. So the timing was quite interesting in that we have moved away from the first partnership, moved into a new one and are designing how we want it to go, what would happen, how would we collaborate and or partner and what did that look like and working through those kinks as well. We have stories for community. Um, and so once we got through that, it was like, okay, we have an opportunity at a storefront in college area. Do we go for it? We still have this launch planned, right? And so instead of an opening and kind of um, a situation where this will be our ultimate landing place, we made it a launch. It was a introduction to the community. We actually sold coffee. We had our employees there and it was great, you know, because those two organizations were also doing their grand opening and launch um, because they're new. Um, and they had that launch to do. So the kind of the timing was like really strange, but also worked. So right? was, it, was it a shared space then with those nonprofits? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yep. Same site, shared space. Mm-hmm. Got it. So you, so you, you have the shared space and we are in 2018 now. Okay. So you, so we launched, we launched the space 2019. Wasn't that- 2019. Yeah. Because it was two months away from the other launch at the other at the college um, brick and mortar. We literally had it August 30th of 2019. And we made an announcement at that launch that we were going to move into a brick and mortar um, in October. Okay, got it. So the first one was always gonna be temporary. Two months later, uh, you basically decided to just take the the plunge, which is um, a huge deal. I was going to try to put that more eloquently, but at, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what it is. It is a gigantic deal for any in, in any entrepreneurial process to, to make that leap and start to kind of put your money where your mouth is, essentially, and, and kind of and and bet on yourself is really what it comes down to, right? Because you're you're putting it, you're investing when you're taking out a small business loan. Those are generally tied to personal. Um, you know, to, 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 to you, to the owner at the end of the day. So it's not like, Hey bank, can I get 50 grand? Oh, sorry. We went out of business. Don't worry. We'll all just forget about that 50 grand. No, it's tied to, to, to you, to the, to the individuals, to the, uh, to the individuals behind the LLC. So it's a huge deal. So congratulations. You made that huge, you made that, that plunge. Um, And then we get to 2020. What, as we kind of move to wrap up our pre-COVID set here and set the table for what happened in COVID, which there's so much to get to, what were we looking, what were you looking forward to accomplishing in 2020? Well, um, that new grand opening um, or that opening on the brick and mortar happened in uh, the first part of October. And um, it was a lease, a sublease agreement. And there were other businesses in this building so there were three other businesses there. We kind of were collaborating, um, so to speak. I mean, we really supported each other in our um, PNR, et cetera, you know, while we were there. So um, there was a decision made that we would do a grand launch or a grand opening with everyone there um, on December. So December the 14th, I believe it was, we had a re-grand opening of Cafe X with these other um, businesses. And the chamber was there and the ribbon cutting and 
jazz saxophonist, you know, a modeling show was there and we sold a lot of coffee that day. It was so busy. We couldn't breathe. It was great. Um, so the best kind of busy, the best kind of busy ever. Yeah. So that went really, really well. And we got, um, a lot of support. And one of the things that we did within the Scopa Cafe X is events. We put on events. We've had book clubs, birthday parties, um, political fundraisers there, uh, Christmas parties, you name it, whatever that was, we, we facilitated the space. People generally bought, you know, coffee for their event, uh, coffee and pastries, which we actually collaborated with uh, food vendors in order to do that because we don't cook food, but we knew chefs. And again, building community and that network and building the business, we utilize that um, for food for a lot of these events. So that was really growing. And we had really booked out through the month of June for events because it ended up over just a two month span that we had met our overhead for you know just paying, paying rent and general supplies in that short time. So it was really a good uh, takeoff. It was going in an upward trajectory and we anticipated that that would continue um, in 2020. And then March came around. Right, and which we will get to. Yeah. And that's incredibly impressive because uh, food, you know, food service is notorious for taking a really long time to recoup that initial investment. So it sounds like things were on the upward trajectory and were heading in strongly in the right direction and moving towards becoming that community driven space that was obviously the, the foundation and, and reason behind starting the business. So before we move on to our mid-COVID set, it's time for our unsponsor of the show. Our unsponsor is an awesome company run by awesome people who produce an awesome product. They don't pay for the shout out, but they deserve it. So Kia, tell us who is today's show not brought to us by? Yay, today our show is not brought to us by Runway Boutique LA. They are an awesome and amazing boutique fashion uh, retail store based in LA. And we partnered with them on a head wraps and coffee event in February of 2020. And it was fabulous. Coffee, head wraps, community, waist beads, all of that. And you can um, find them at shoprunwayboutiquela.com and on their Instagram at runwayboutiquela. And with that, let's go ahead and move into our mid-COVID set. And this is going to be a unique uh, experience for me as uh, interviewing on the show because of just how uh, drastic, I guess, the impact was. And, and this is a, a little bit of a, <laughs> a giveaway of what happened. But um, our listeners may have noticed that you've been speaking in the past tense about this cafe because, well, spoiler, it's not currently open. Um, so let's go ahead and just dive right into March, uh, national emergency is declared, and very quickly, uh, your the the landlord basically tells you your time is limited. Right? Does uh, who, who wants to take this one and kind of walk us through the the experience here? I'll, I'll I'll take that 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 walk down memory lane because I was 
um, as VP in operations, chief of operations, I actually was at the coffee shop on a daily basis and ran operations. So I saw the steady decline as those, um, <laughs> the law was laid down that we would be restricted um, as far as business was concerned. And um, it, we thought, you know, when they said March, they said, well, maybe by April, June will be, you know, we'll be okay. And that didn't happen. We stayed open um, most March and then like the mid April right. is like when we like, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm watching tumbleweeds roll down the street <laughs> every day because everyone is self-quarantined. In San Diego, that was back when there was mandatory uh, stay at home, which was the only, the only time we've really had that was those yes. last mm -hmm. two weeks yeah. or maybe last week of March, first week of April, somewhere in there. So people like literally weren't allowed to be outside unless it was for like, a, for what mm -hmm. was deemed an essential reason. And I would assume hanging out at your local coffee shop was probably not on that list. Not, not, not on the list. Nope. Not on the list at all. And um, when they, um, I would say loosened up on the restrictions and said, you know, you have to wear the mask and all this kind of thing, you know, we were there, but it was just not sustainable. You know, um, like I said, we were on an upward trajectory and we were making, you know, money. Um, this was a time where everything just went south. You know, I barely saw some of my you know, regulars would come by. How y'all doing? You know, um, and, and check in on us. And we just like we were going to hang in there and we closed for about, you know, most of the most of April. We weren't there in May. Nothing. Still paying rent. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually the month of, what was it, May, possibly we, we did not because, I mean, like I said, it, sales had dried up and we were a sublease, like I said before, and they had actually um, filed and had talked to the owner about, you know, commercial frustration because um, the person we were subleasing from, actually their main, the business was events. That is what they did. They did very um, specific, like if you had a fantasy event that you wanted, they would create it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the, all of their business. So they could absolutely do nothing. So even if we paid our rent, they still wouldn't be able to make that up. And we had a beauty salon and they were shut down. A beauty salon was in there also and a yoga studio. So neither one of them were able to operate. They absolutely could not. Yeah. And for us, we just had, you know, ultimately the takeout and that wasn't really how we really made our money. So it was a really um, constraining position to be in to say the least. And so um, we finally, um, like I said, we, we remained closed like April, we were closed. And when we got to, by the time we got to June, um, the last days, the last three days we were open, we kind of did this, um, uh, basically we're, we're closing our doors, you know, come say goodbye kind of event. And we had people come as far as North County to come down and support that. It was, it was, it was great, but it was also, you know, it was bittersweet. It wasn't that we were going to be gone forever because we knew that we would start up eventually, but um, it was a blessing as well because we've had now this runway to really work on some of these other initiatives. So um I think we came out a lot better too because we didn't end up with the debt that a lot of these other businesses. Right. And that's something that I was going to talk about just briefly mm -hmm. is when you think about the spectrum of businesses or the, I don't, it's not a two-dimensional thing here, but when you think about 
all of the different types of businesses that are out there and who is predisposed to being able to adapt and pivot and overcome and, and make the changes necessary to survive through something like this. If you are a, you know, uh, an, an online services based company, okay, great. Things aren't really that different for you. And then on the other end of that is you're a brick and mortar company that has just, you know, very, uh, very fixed overhead in terms of rent and payroll, which is probably the, the especially in a relatively high margin uh, business like coffee, your, your, your dominant expenses are going to be rent and payroll. So you have to make that decision. How long do I keep my doors open, hoping that people are going to come back? And even if my doors are closed, I'm still paying or you're still paying X number of dollars per month which is, you know, in this world of uncertainty uh, that where the, where COVID just continues to surpass, I think the vast majority of people's um, uh, how long we thought it was going to last. Had you kept the doors open and continued to lose month after month after month, you'd be in a much worse place. So I'm sure, as you said, it would be bittersweet, but at least when the owner decided to sell the building because he had they, they had it sounds like three or four or five different businesses none of which were really equipped to make those pivots uh just by the nature of their businesses that in a weird way it was it was just it was a blessing is that I, i'm sure it did maybe it didn't look like that at the time but n- maybe now does it seem like that feeling is um has been magnified by considering how long this is continuing to to last. Is that? Oh, it was to me a blessing. It was a blessing even back then. Okay. I told, I told my daughter. She yeah. laughed at me. She was like, oh, to, to beside herself. She was beside herself. And here I am. I'm a gray. Okay. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be glad that right now that you know where you stand and able to pivot. We even looked at trying to do some of the things online where we were um, working community, like we had game nights. And so Kia had looked into those, they have those virtual games that people can play together online. So rolling out some of those, we had talked to some people about, you know, sponsor, cause we can run everything ourselves, right? Right. But just how do we pivot, stay engaged with community, looking at some of those things, staying prevalent, you know, posting up. We did actually um, a couple of catering events after closing mm-hmm. um that went well um but i you know but you kind of day one day. i was like i saw the writing on the wall right. it's like be glad that you're not getting <laughs> stuck with this you know throughout this this long haul because at that point he, he is still working for the county supervisor yes. so that's her her nine to five or mm-hmm. eight to six or five to ten whatever many hours i'm sure serving serving the, the community in a different way so you're getting the 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 play by play the day by day from mom saying things are not great trust me closing down is actually not the worst thing ever right now. Absolutely. That's that's accurate and me being the impatient person that I am I just move kind of fast. Um I was thinking okay we got to get in another building. We got to we we got to keep we got to keep this going. We got to you know figure out what we're going to do and um, she was just like, slow down, 
you know, this is a blessing that we're out of the situation. Um, no skin off our back, really, you know, and in hindsight, she's absolutely right because we get to plan um, and coordinate and really think through kind of the future of what our vision, mission, connection looks like in this age, because, you know, as we've mentioned many times um, on this um, conversation, we specialize in human connection and gathering and, you know, what does that look like now? And how do we still maintain those critical connections and deepen them actually um, throughout this time? So, yeah, I was kind of watching from a distance <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, but also um, looking toward the next step all the time. Right. I mean, it seems like this is a, a, a pretty natural place to kind of move to the, to the post COVID segment of the show because your post COVID business is going to look, I mean, physically, literally different than the pre COVID business because it will be in a different place. So talk to me about the challenges you're facing and, and what you are doing to overcome them to continue to maintain that continuity of, of mission of being a place for community when you don't have that physical place right now? Beautiful question. <laughs> and that really is the key. You have to really think about the strategy and have it be adaptive, flexible, relevant. Um, and so what we really did was just look at the connections that we've made and that we've built because we were really serious. And my mom spoke to every single person that came in that door when we had that storefront. And we had connections even prior to in the community based on the work that we did um, in our day jobs, in our everyday and what we were passionate about. So it was really about looking at our matrix of people and saying, okay, what collaborations already exist? What partnerships already exist? What relationships do we have? And what do we pull together that can either be educational, informative, fun, um, true to our mission and our vision and our values, and also keep Cafe X as an organization connected and rooted in our community. And so we've got a whole slew of things on the table and actually once I calmed down, <laughs> it became a little more patient. I'm still working on it. Um, things came to us. You know, people email us all the time. They hit us up on Instagram all the time to start thinking about collaboration. So we've got things planned um, that are educational. Can, can you um, share any? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay. I didn't know how deep you wanted me to go. Yeah, let's, let's do it. I mean, I, I'm so interested to know because like, there's a very like simple story, which is you had a yeah. cafe. Now you don't have a cafe. You hope to have a cafe again in the future. <laughs> but there's, you know, with that, there's, there's obviously like so many layers of complexity to it and ways to adjust and continue the business beyond just, um, you know, planning for that next cafe. So yeah, let's di dive in. Sh share with me. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All of that. And the pivot, we really had to think about, okay, what would bring us revenue? Um, but also 
as good as revenue, how do we continue to build our connections and really deepen and further our mission? So again, that double bottom line, you know, how do we do both? So I immediately thought about manufacturing. We've been wanting a Cafe X blend for a while of coffee, you know, our own special blend sourced from the regions in Africa that we curate and taste. And um, we want to bring our people, as we've done in the beginning, through that journey with us. So we're starting a whole kind of series. I don't know what we want to call it yet. A seminar, a collaboration with an organization that does that, uh, green buying and sourcing from Africa and other places throughout the world. Um, study the beans, talk about the history, but also talk about how they taste good and how they get to your cup. Um, and also take them on that journey of manufacturing. What does that pivot look like? How do we actually create a blend? Um, they're going to be traveling with us um, as we go and we make it. And we're going to be working with manufacturers on that um, quite soon. And so the goal with this is, is to be educational, make those touch points, um, those collaborations and those networks that we've built, have them engaged and have it so that we educate community, as I mentioned, and then train them if they so choose. <laughs> train them in coffee, um, the basics of coffee, roasting, uh, micro roasting, barista training and those skills create some virtual platforms and a curriculum around that. And then we have a pool of educated people of color. That's an important piece. I can't forget that uh, because we ain't there. We don't, we don't just exist. There are some and few and far between, but we really got to expose them. We really got to educate us. We got to get us in the field. And so that trajectory hopefully will lead us to when we're back in a space, we can open and we have a pool of candidates ready um, to employ, to engage um, in all kinds of ways in our coffee shop, whether it's making coffee, organizing events, whatever the case may be, we've still maintained those connections. So right. that's a big one. I, I love that for so many reasons, because like, first of all, I love to brainstorm like small business ideas. And I, and I feel like you are just like exceeding every, I don't know, exceeding everything. The way that everything you just touched on, you are creating community you are addressing uh, the lack of black rep representation in the world of coffee. You're creating a, a way for people to receive training to further their job prospects and doing it all while um, in that place, in that, in that, with that, that underlying foundation of, com of, the, of the community driven theme, all without four walls and a roof to you know to, to for your own cafe right it's incredible yeah the story just keeps getting better and better so um, uh, it's so good who needs walls who needs, who needs walls where we're going we don't need walls <laughs> yeah exactly is is this training that you're thinking of doing is it going to be a like a something you buy a ticket for to attend and where will it be held or will it be held over Zoom? Excellent questions. So we would like a mix of both depending on where we are in our tiers in our roadmap for reopening. And when you say um, tiers, really quick, yes. what does that mean? Yeah, um, because I worked for the county, I just think in tiers. Um, so we've got <laughs> California has this um, roadmap for reopening. That's literally what it's called. Um, and it's color coded. So there's like a 
purple tier, red tier, it's like orange. And then I think there might be green in there somewhere if we ever reach it. Yeah. Um, good luck. <laughs> yellow, like there's, there's a color code to this. Um, and so right now we have fallen to the purple tier. We were once in the red tier. Um, and so that is really determining what businesses can open at what time. Uh, and what capacity. Yeah, and what capacity, mm-hmm. who, you know, how we can serve and so on and so forth. Um, so, so, so for things like a cafe, that would mean are people even allowed inside once exactly. they're, and you move up a tier, okay, now you're allowed uh, 20% of your seating capacity, yeah. now 40% or, or whatever, as we exactly. theoretically, theoretically, the situation improves. Exactly. Please vaccine, mm-hmm. hurry up and get here. I I think it's coming in December. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah, So whether or not you can serve people indoors or you have to go outdoors, it's just, it's a whole mess. Um, And who knows where we'll be next year, you know, about the time we launch this training, but um, we would like the modules to some, some of them be in person, some be virtual, depending on people's comfortability, we can adjust and be flexible with that. Um, But ideally, you know, you want that in-person contact if we can swing it but this is something we can do virtually and we can do safely and distance if need be and it's not something part of it will be free I see part of it being free the first the curriculum that we design some of the modules you get the base knowledge and the foundation but if you really want the hands-on technical training we really want to get donations involved, philanthropy involved, put people through the Specialty Coffee Institute training and get that uh, really in-depth, nuanced technical training should they want it and choose. We want to create that opportunity for them. So that is something that we would love to fundraise for and or pay for, you know, people who really have that hunger to do so. might not be a whole lot of people, might just be a few, right? And you only need a few, Um, but you don't have to do that, right? So I I wanna make sure that I add that too. You don't have to go to a specialty institute and be trained in order to be a barista or no coffee or do coffee. That that is just an option should people wanna go that route. But um, if they do, we want to have it available and make sure that they have the resources to get it done and support them in that. But we want this to be accessible to people, the curriculum that we will have and that we will convene and do, uh, we want to reach as many people as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there, I, I mean, my, my guess is the answer is no to this, but is there a space that you have in mind moving forward? I mean, there's still like so much uncertainty, you know, we're, we're talking about a vaccine. Just in the last couple of days, the news has come out that they plan to roll it out in the next couple of weeks here to frontline healthcare workers. Uh, I think I read something about how um, uh, retirement homes or kind of the, the they're going to try to like basically t- target the elderly, the more at risk populations, and then kind of work their way, I guess, down in age and risk, essentially. So theoretically, we could be in a green tier someday soon. Uh, do you have that kind of goal of opening? You know, what is your goal of, of opening as far as a, a timeline or, you know, what are the signals that you're reading that you're looking for before committing to that next space? Well, um, as Kia mentioned earlier, um, a lot of this uh, runway 
um, a lot of people have introduced themselves and been online with us. And um, we've spoken to a few realtors that are either on deck to help find a space because based on a lot of the property that is being vacated, there'll be a lot of opportunity for a lot of different locations. Um, it's bad for a lot of people because they lost their locations, but it opens up a world of opportunity for the people who are outside waiting um, to get to a, to a new space. And we happen to be one of those. So there may be some opportunities there. We do have some people that will be working on that um, diligently. That's personally what, I mean, we basically have specs. This is about the size and scope. We obviously, because we don't know even when this vaccine comes out, vaccines are not a cure, by the way. There's no cure for viruses. So let's just get that out of our heads. Um, just like flu season, it never goes away. Well, it'll always be there. So I don't wanna be delusional um, about what this really means. The scope of how we do business is going to change. So we wanna make sure that we can facilitate, you know, space for that change. Outdoor space, um, parking, et cetera, those kind of things. So it's kind of a, a specific search, you know, um, for what we can do in person and what we will be able to do virtually. You know, we might have to have a little podcast room within the facility. I don't know. You know, it just, it just depends on how things go. But um, so the answer, like you said, it's no, and we don't really have a timeline, but we do have people on deck and depending how these tiers go, um, things will roll out um, as we see things getting closer because we do, we had a, you know, a few people looking, even some of our customers, you know, oh, have you guys seen XYZ and some people shut down and, you know, and so we've actually looked at some places, um, vetted some already um, and just looking at a timeline, even if it was available and we had all the cash we needed right today, not a good time to go in there. <laughs> so, you know, so it's a really, just have to wait and see kind of thing you know yeah yeah that's that's pretty much the business mantra synopsis of covid wait and see i feel like you you have the vision moving forward and and the more that we talk about it the more i feel like the uh these the circumstances for better or worse at the time that led you to no longer have that physical space is setting you up for success down the line. I agree with that 100%. 100%. Yeah. It will be so strong and so um, the foundation will be so well set and so many people that are able to really move um, this vision forward. It's, it's unreal. They just keep adding on. I keep telling my daughter, this is an abundant universe and there's no reason oh, with that like intention that. and this momentum yeah. that this won't work. So, you know, keep the faith, hold strong, be patient, exercise that and, you know, focus on that intent and everything else is going to fall into place. I really do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, whether or not things fall into place, I think you two are going to make them fall into place. You're gonna, you're gonna force them into place. It seems like you, you're you're not you're That's not right. waiting around for things to happen or change or communities to be to be slowly built around you. You're 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 doers. You're making this happen, and it's it's obvious. I mean, you look at your Instagram page, and I can you can tell right away. Just I mean, seriously, like by the engagement 
and it's such a silly metric and I hate that I'm even using this, but it's, it, it's, it's honestly like, it's just a really quick, easy way to see, yeah, there's engagement here in, in the truest sense. And the fact that your customers are reaching out to you, trying to find, um, you know, find you locations. You said that they're still calling and saying, Hey, you know, how do I support you? How do I get your coffee? It shows that, that in the, well, one year, it's only, it, you only had that location for, in if I'm doing my math right, like seven, eight months or so. And that's including those last couple of months that barely counted. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible what, what you've done already. So with all of that said, as we wrap up the show here, what can our listeners do if they want to support you and your mission to create community in Southeast San Diego? First, recognize that we are countywide and our breath has really expanded. Our vision has expanded to create community beyond that location as special and historical Mm -hmm. as it is, um, which we treasure um, deeply. Um, We are expansive and we are an expansive community community. So that is number one, two, follow us. You should see our Instagram. You should see our Facebook. We have our website, byanybeans.org. Follow us there. We put a lot of our content. We're getting on our blog and, and the work that we've done and updating that as well. So you'll see what we've got planned. Um, we've got whole other fund I didn't even speak to um, during this conversation, um, the Black Women's Resiliency Fund. And we're partnered with Hope Through Housing and National Core Civic to really focus on supporting women with income, Black women specifically, um, the underserved community in San Diego. Um, You see Black women and Black people population as a whole fall behind economically, educationally, in health, in every metric you pull, um, you'll see Black people at the bottom, at the bottom rung of it. Um, And so the goal with that fund during this COVID-19 uncertainty and the pandemic, on top of all those already existing disparities, uh, we want to leverage money from philanthropy. And we've talked to many organizations, including Grantmakers, San Diego Foundation, California Endowment, Leech Tag, um, Satterberg, all these different entities who are really interested in supporting the Black community. Um, And we want to provide income to Black women. And we're partnered with Hope Through Housing because we're focusing on a specific location, an affordable housing location that does happen to be in Southeast San Diego. So Follow us with that, that kind of work, in addition to the education, the training, um, the strategic planning and the manufacturing um, of our own blend of beans and all this other stuff. You'll really need to follow us virtually and socially as we stay connected with you and we develop those concepts um, and they come to fruition because they will come to fruition. They certainly- There was, uh, gosh, like the rest of this conversation, so much there. Let's let's see. By by any no, so it's so sorry. it's so good. There's in. so there's so much good relevant <laughs> content there. So byanybeans.org is the website. Absolutely. Follow the it's official the website the, and the official yes. Cafe X. And yep, I would correct. assume that they can find the other organizations that you mentioned. I'm sure they're they're gonna get 
get posted about on Insta or on the blog mm-hmm. at buyanybeans.org. And I'm sure, especially people who live in San Diego are going to be hearing uh, more from both of you as whatever comes next and this we finally get to that green, that, that elusive green tier someday soon. Uh, yeah, I, I think right. we'll, we'll all come to, to whether we're following you or not on Instagram. If you're in San Diego, I'm sure you, uh, you'll, you'll see the, the ripple effects of, of Cafe X um, coming soon, hopefully. Kia and Cynthia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. We had a ball. Yes, thank you so much. We thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate what you're doing to highlight these businesses during this time. Thank you to my guests, Kia and Cynthia of Cafe X, Buy Any Beans Necessary, Find out more at buyanybeans.org. Time now for my unsponsor, a small business doing great things that didn't pay for a shout out, but deserves one anyway. Today's show is not brought to you by Simone Limon. Simone Limon is a curated retail shop showcasing over 50 small businesses across jewelry, apparel, stationery, body, home, accessories, and more. When you shop at simonelimon.com, you are supporting local, national, and cross-border small, independently owned businesses with an emphasis on women and Latinx companies. Yes, this information would have been helpful before you did your holiday shopping, but it's never, ever too late to shop small. Check out smallbizgoneviral.com for all episodes, updates, and a complete list of all unsponsors where you can get a great list of small businesses that would make for great gift ideas even after the holidays. Thank you, Peggy Bunker and the Bookmates, for this theme song, Worldometer for Stats, NPR, Robinhood, Snack, Morning Brew, and Statista Daily News emails, stats and story ideas compiled by the wonderful Kaylin Kwan. Someday this will all be over. Help society and yourself by socially distancing, washing your hands, and wearing a mask. From an office in North Pacific Beach, recorded and edited before and after work hours, I'm Grant LeBeau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. And we're back with our quick bonus segment. It's a lightning round of just a couple quick questions about our guests' feelings about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. First question for Kia. What is your least favorite question about your business to receive at a party and why? Mm, good one. My least favorite question would be, why did you name your cafe after Malcolm X? Why Malcolm X? And it said with that tone, you know, um, and I say to that, Malcolm X is a transformational figure. He represents from his journey from the streets as Detroit Red to the organizer that built the organization of African-American unity and all of the personal transformation that had to happen between there and there is exactly what Cafe X is about. It's about the journey. It's about the practice. And that's why, because he's awesome and he changed the world um, with his vision and his self-determination. So it's an annoying question, but it's also a great question because it gives you a platform to give that awesome answer. Cynthia, Question for you. 
what is something you feel like non-small business owners do not or cannot understand about being a small business owner? Well, that is a very good question. And I think I have a sum, the simplest answer is that not small businesses do not have the access to large capital like they do. They can't just walk into a place and say, give me a half million dollars. And then it's just handed to them. Right. Just because they exist. Kia, back to you. What are some common misconceptions about your business? Mm. When people hear that we are a cooperative model and a cooperative flat voting structure, um, they think there is no structure and they think it's very loose. So they think it's kind of fun even, I've, I've heard that. And um, that's a misconception. Cooperative models with flat leadership and that sort of collaborative decision-making requires a lot of structure, it requires a lot of organization and it requires adherence to a code of ethics and morality and all the other nuances that folks in business typically aren't thinking about. So there's an ethos behind what we do and how we do it. Very structured and very organized. And lastly, because we like to end this show on a positive note, Cynthia, what is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur? My favorite part of being an entrepreneur is having the freedom to create Whatever it is, I can envision. Kia, same question. That's my favorite part. She stole it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part because, I mean, I work some great jobs. I love the career that I've had thus far. And I probably will always be doing several things. But this creation of something from the ground up and seeing it grow and building from your mind to actual reality is something that is not replicated working for anybody else. So that creativity is unmatched. I love love it. it. And I love this entire interview. Thank you both so much. Thank Thank you.